0: Interviewing the leading private equity executives and unlocking the secrets of success. Welcome to the Private Equity Podcast with Alex Rawlings. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Raw Selection Private Equity Podcast. Joining us today, is Amy Gross, Senior Vice President, and global practice leader, private equity, and MA at Liberty Mutual Insurance. Thank you very much for joining us, Amy. I'm looking forward to hearing about your story. Thanks for having me, Alex. I'm excited about this. Perfect. So is this customary? If you could give us a 60 to 90
1: second breakdown of you, please. Sure. So I've been at Liberty for 19 years. So my background is definitely insurance, not private equity, but Liberty Rights, a lot of private equity-backed companies, as well as the PE firms themselves. And so we've really put a focus around providing one-stop solutions to a PE firm when it comes to insurance because I think it's really critical. By background, I'm an underwriter. So I know the ins and outs of insurance, but I've been in this role where I work with clients for about three and a half years now. And it's been a lot of fun. It's good to connect with PE firms and make sure that they understand they're a huge buyer of insurance and that they're leveraging their scale to do the right things from a risk standpoint and a premium savings
0: standpoint. Perfect. Thank you very much. What's one mistake that you see either private equity firms or portfolio companies making? And what would you suggest to correct that, please?
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest mistake I see is them not being organized around insurance. So if you think about a PE firm and their portfolio companies, the insurance spend across that whole portfolio is, is pretty big. And the insurance market can be expensive. Right now, we're in a hard market cycle on a couple of our different lines, meaning rates are expensive, right? It's hard to get property insurance right now. When you get it, it's really expensive. And PE firms that get organized and have a portfolio view have strategic partners at carriers that are looking at the relationship holistically they're helping them find solutions across the entire portfolio for insurance, whether it's on each individual portfolio company or as a program across the portfolio. But it basically provides a market that's going to help them. And I think the bigger thing is you're able to look at what's driving premium because premium is driven by a couple of things, raw loss, right? And then the, the actual risk. And if there's ways to mitigate that risk, An insurance carrier as a strategic partner can help them look at that, not just on one portfolio company, but potentially across the portfolio. I think when you think about it, cyber is a big example of this, right? So you've got each portfolio company which has cyber risk, whether it's a ransomware threat or somebody getting into their systems and taking data, it it runs again. I'm not a cyber expert, but those are some of the things we see. And then you've got all the issues with the data they get during an actual transaction that's vulnerable. And if a portfolio company gets attacked, that's a big claim. And not every portfolio company is going to have a good technology system. They're not necessarily going to have a chief security officer for information, things like that. So if a portfolio, if a PE firm can provide that holistic view of the cyber risk and help their portfolio companies think about it, those portcos are going to be able to get better insurance terms. They're going to be better covered. They're going to have less risk, which drives down the premium, helps protect them. And I think. Even more important, it helps the reputation. right? You can buy insurance to cover the loss, but at the end of the day, if a big fee firm has a, a cyber attack on a portfolio company and their name gets dragged in, that's risky. right? Their investors are going to look at that. Their portfolio companies are going to see that and if there's potential for some losses there.
0: Do you see a lot of those insurance um, premiums, if you wish? Obviously, each portfolio company is going to be different, but... Um how I may run things there, but if I was in that seat, is that held at the the private equity firm level and then distributed out? Or is this just discounted on the basis that there's five portfolio companies, nine portfolio companies, and and you're working with them all?
1: Usually, it's more each portfolio company needs to buy their own insurance, right? They need their protection as a standalone business. So if you think about those five portfolio companies, the example you just gave, One might be a manufacturer, one could be in technology, one could be in another industry, etc. So they're each going to have a program that protects their individual needs. But each one's premium starts to add up to a pretty big spend. And an insurance carrier as a partner can start to look at that and say, Hey, this is a bigger partnership. Let's make sure we're treating them as a bigger partner. Sometimes that comes with discounts. Sometimes that comes with honestly, create a solution. Not everything is the easiest thing to insure. And some carriers are going to say, absolutely, no, we don't have appetite for that risk. And here's who might. But that stuff that kind of falls in the gray, we might be able to come up with a solution to help you with the insurance so that insurance is not something holding back a transaction and are making a risk uninsurable. But I think the bigger thing that the carrier partner can bring to those five portfolio companies, they're all going to have cyber risk. How do we help look at them holistically and say, here's some basic solutions to bring down the risk. And I think when you go out to vendor partners to buy some of those technologies or, or helpful things for that risk, we're going to get some discounts on the vendor side as well. So I think it kind of doubles over into spend once across the portfolio and the risk management in certain areas.
0: Perfect. one. Well, obviously, putting things together more so and, and uh, aligning with uh, a single supplier, uh, if the case could be, what are the no. opportunities of private equity firms missing in, from your perspective when it comes to insurance?
1: Yeah, and I would say just a caveat usually there's not going to be one insurance supplier for everything. You want a few partners because just like PE firms have appetites on their investments, we have appetites on what we insure. So a few strategic partners is very critical. But I would say another thing to think about is DO coverage, which is the directors and officers at each portfolio. The PE firm, if they're letting each portfolio company go out and buy that insurance on their own from a broker, they may be buying the cheapest coverage, but not the best coverage. And we've seen situations where a portfolio company buys a D&O policy that's not necessarily protecting the PE sponsor that's sitting on the board. And that's an exclusion. And if you're the PE firm and your employee is not protected on the board of your portfolio company, that's, that's pretty scary. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for PE firms to think about how they are mandated kind of minimum standards on DNO coverage. And that is one line of business that I would say when a PE firm gets organized, they're still going to have to buy it for each port code, but they're probably going to want to have standard terms and conditions that are required so that they're not in the middle of a suit and there's no coverage because that's risky, right? So I think like cyber, those are two lines that if you're going to start somewhere, start there. And, th- and those are huge opportunities for PE firms.
0: Okay. And are you seeing any particular trends at the moment from an uh, insurance perspective across private equity?
1: Yeah. I would say we're seeing, again, the d l We're starting to see some firms get sophisticated about really purchasing that and looking at that across each portfolio to make sure there's minimum standards on the coverage and the insurance and the limits that they're buying. I think... That's a positive trend I'm starting to see is more and more firms looking at that. Um, cyber, it's it's slower, but I'm starting to see some firms get sophisticated and use their um, chief information officers to say, and their security officers to sit there and say, all right, how do we think about cyber risk across the portfolio? I think that's good. But I think the area that people aren't thinking about and the area that's costing port code a lot of money is property. Insurance and we all see the weather, right? Things have changed, and, and I can talk from a U.S. perspective. You used to be really worried about hurricanes in Florida. We're still really worried about hurricanes in Florida, but we're now seeing the Texas freeze a couple of years ago. We're seeing the insane amounts of snow that were on the West Coast this year, causing some damage. We're seeing a lot of tornadoes in areas where we haven't seen them, hail in areas we haven't seen them. So the weather patterns have changed, and that's put a lot of pressure on the insurance industry with a lot more losses coming in, and so. The insurance industry would say it's in a hard market on the property line. Honestly, I think property risk has fundamentally shifted that it's just more expensive to cover that. And I think PE firms need to start really thinking about, hey, this is costing a lot of money. And every dollar they're spending on premium is less money that they're getting back for investors. And so how do you start to think about your property portfolio? And if each business needs some protection, there may be, again, ways to look at it holistically. One engineer is out looking at all the locations across the portfolio and saying a lot of them need different pallets for storage or different sprinkler systems or things like that. And you might be able to get some discounts, I'd say, on the vendors that can help protect. But I think small invest- capital improvements in properties can bring down premiums significantly. And ultimately, if you're making those capital improvements, in theory, your building is going to be better. And with your insurance being a little less expensive. Been a pretty tough market where the trend is continuing to rise. I think there's a lot of opportunity for PE firms to be aware and save money there.
0: Sorry to interrupt here. Just a quick note to highlight our new sponsor, Grata. The private equity market is rapidly shifted to a data-driven, proprietary deal sourcing standard. Grata provides the window into over seven million middle market private companies. Contact Grata so you can access the market first. Request a demo at Now back to the podcast. Obviously, the property market, as you mentioned there, we have seen some freak weather and, and some changes. Is something that you think private equity firms are missing, as in they're overlooking and thinking we're well-protected? Are most premiums well-covered, or has most people been shocked because Something happens in Texas that you didn't expect, or something happens on the West Coast with regards to snow and there's damage. Has that been a bit of a shock? Do people need to review their own premiums and what they've gone, maybe reevaluate, or are most premiums well covered? Um, it's just quick incidents um, that, are, that are happening. Where's the story there?
1: You know, I think it's a mix of things. I think if you've got an area that was historically not considered risky, right? Now all of a sudden your carrier is starting to say, whoa, I'm not going to put up the full limits on that property policy. And maybe a couple carriers have to share the limits. That's going to be more expensive and that's going to be a little harder to build and it's going to take some time. And so an insurance renewal might not be everybody's priority. And all of a sudden they get to renewal and they may be able to get that premium and that coverage, or they may be able to get the coverage they need, right? But the price could be 50% more. And so I, I think what's missing is the awareness of what could happen. And so I think we're seeing a lot of firms start to be surprised when the portfolios are coming back and saying, hey, I blew my insurance budget because my property rates went up. And I think there's a, a lack of awareness. And jumbo companies have a risk manager full-time that's very in the insurance market. But a lot of times, a smaller mid-market-sized company, which is what a lot of portfolios are, an HR person or a CFO or, or somebody who's been assigned insurance as their side gig and they don't always understand the dynamics of the insurance market. And so a good broker partner who's going to help them negotiate with the carriers and a good carrier partner that they they have a relationship with is going to warn them of, hey, these are the trends we're seeing. Here's what you should expect. Here's ways you can mitigate it. But I just think there's been a lack of focus. So it's not always they we had a loss and there's no coverage. That can happen. But sometimes it's We've had a, uh, we were up for renewal and we cannot get the coverage we had in the past. So there's more risk to the company. Maybe they're thinking a higher deductible or, hey, we budgeted for insurance to be a million dollars, but it's actually going to be a million to get the same terms and conditions we had in the past.
0: Makes sense. Do you think that most policies are well attributed for private equity? You know, if I think of any insurance insurances for business I've gone, injective and etc. Even personal insurances, it's a necessary evil um, sure nah. Say So uh, Amy, or maybe disagree, but is, is there anything that private equity firms appreciate Maybe in the contrary to your role, but is there anything that private equity can be doing to reduce, type, obviously, premium costs or maybe you review things that, that are in there that they're paying for that maybe they shouldn't be because there's no need? I'm, I appreciate that. that's going to be case by case basis, but is there anything generally that you see when you look at competing businesses, that maybe names here, but... And saying you shouldn't have that in there; it's a bit of a waste.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. I think it can come in a couple of ways, right? In, in your mind, necessary evil. It's balance sheet protection, and so I think a lot of customers will say, "Hey, we're going to buy first dollar insurance and just pass every risk over." Well, some of it you might be comfortable taking on if there's a frequency issue. If you've got people in your you got a portfolio in the retail store, and there's a lot of small slips and falls. You can probably predict what you're going to pay in that. So, so buy a deductible, right? So, I think. Sometimes it's a conversation of, is it the right structure? And are we passing on all the risk and paying for that? Or are we comfortable keeping some of that on our own balance sheet? I think there's certain coverages you want to be looking at and making sure that there's actually a coverage there and you're paying for what you need and getting what you expect. Because when a claim comes in and something is not covered, that can be really frustrating. And I think Sometimes people are saying, well, I bought this policy, but they're not understanding the ins and outs of it. And then a loss comes in and it's actually not a covered loss. So I think that's a big thing. And I think the biggest thing people can do to reduce insurance costs is, is make themselves a better risk. And I think a better risk translates not just lower insurance costs, but a lot of times it's better buildings, it's better workplace safety, which creates better morale. It's better cybersecurity, which again, can translate to relationships and Carriers have people who can help with this. And I think when you have that relationship and that strategic partnership, we can have our cyber experts out there giving you advice. We can have our engineers out there looking at your properties and saying, this is what's costing your insurance a lot more money. And those are services you're typically not paying for. And if you don't have that relationship with the carrier, you probably don't even know it's available. So in my mind, those are things that can truly help take that necessary evil and reduce the cost of it and help we make it more efficient and ultimately add value to the business because the insurance carrier is there to be a partner, right? They're not there, especially on large risks. We're not there to just take your money and hopefully never pay a claim. This is not your personal loss or your personal home. But if you have a cyber loss, your carrier has been through a lot of them and they have a lot of resources and they can get the right people on the phone and negotiate the claim and, and get the best outcome for you. And so I think looking at your carrier as a partner in your business, helping you understand insurance and drive down risk is critical.
0: Okay. And if we think about private equity firms and the centrally managing that risk for the firm, we talked about it uh, briefly earlier. What are for, some further benefits for them to be looking at centrally managing that and therefore uh, obviously managing that risk insurance premiums through, for a central basis rather than leaving the portfolios to deal with it on their own.
1: Yeah, I think it's two things. Scale, right? I think scale can typically help get preference on pricing, things like that. But I also think it's the partnership can help you get transactions done. So if you're a PE firm and you're working on a a carve-out of a business, that business no longer has insurance, right? It's a new company. You need insurance. Probably the the deal team is not thinking about, oh, let's get some workers' comp insurance in the US and make sure that they have a property coverage in Mexico, right? Your carrier needs to provide that for you and they need to provide it for you quickly. And you don't want to hell that. So if you have that partnership with your carrier, you're going to get speed. And you're looking for a carrier that understands that speed. And you don't always have all the data the carrier needs. And so when you have that relationship, the carrier can sometimes make decisions without the perfect submission of information under it the rest. But I think that's huge. I also think that transactional liability, a lot of PE firms are buying the reps and warranties or warranties and indemnity insurance. That's what they call it outside the US, right? And that insurance, it can be tricky. And if you have somebody who's seeing your diligence over and over, they don't have to ask the same questions every time. They start to trust you and they can make sure that they're getting quotes out and they're competitive and there's standards in there and pricing is fair. And I think ultimately what that does is it doesn't hold up a deal. And I have seen deals not close because insurance was not placed in time. And certain lines of insurance are absolutely mandatory. And the last thing somebody wants to do is not going to deal closed on time because the insurance is problem, right? That's nobody, nobody's wish. So that partnership, we should be able to give you the speed that you need to, to get your business done.
0: Perfect. So what do you love about the private equity industry and equally what do you dislike about it?
1: I think it's fascinating because sitting on the carrier side, I work for an insurance company, not the most exciting industry to look at, but I get to see with the private equity firms that we insure and in their portfolios, I look into all different kinds of businesses. And I think what's really cool is seeing PE firms start to invest and make these businesses better and the contributions that brings them. It's fun, It's fun to see everybody else and how they do their business listen, it may see you be able to have a conversation with anybody because you've seen it all from the insurance fund. So you understand their workplace and what they do. But I think it's a fascinating industry to see. And I'd say from a tough standpoint, sometimes the financials don't always look great. And some of our businesses take on some credit risk. And that can be really hard for us as an insurance carrier because we're not really in the business of taking on credit risk, but we have lives that we have to. That's hard. But I think when we have those conversations, we can work through it and find solutions.
0: Excellent. If anybody wishes, oh, in fact, before I ask that, could that be out, Kim, please? What are your influences? What do you read? What do you watch? What do you listen to, Amy?
1: Well, I definitely have some books that I like to read for work stuff. We've been recently reading Team of Teams, which has been pretty cool as Liberty's trying to transform and be more of a global company where we're, we've always been global, but we want to be more connected. But if I'm very honest, I read a lot of fluffy stuff and I watch a lot of fun shows. I tend to like comedies, the things that are just light to end the day, and a lot of podcasts. I do listen to some that are PE to help me be educated for work, but then some fluffy ones as well about pop culture.
0: If anybody wishes to reach out to you, post this uh, podcast, Amy, how best they get in touch with
1: you, please? They can email me at liberty. So it's Amy amy.gross, G-R-O-S-S, at libertymutual.com. Happy to connect.
0: We'll put that in the show notes as well for anybody to, to reach out to Amy. Well, Amy, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate your insight and, uh, into the world of, of insurance and how private equity and portfolio to, companies can improve things. So thank you very much for everything you shared today.
1: Thanks, Axe. That's fine.
0: And as always, thank you very much for those joining us. If you ever need support with your private equity professional hiring or portfolio executive hiring across Europe or North America, please do reach out to us at Raw Selection. If you've not done so already, please do subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified the next one, which comes out every two weeks. Until the next time, keep smashing it. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Podcast on www.raw-selection.com.